Genesis chapter 13 is where we are. If you want to go ahead and be turning there. Genesis chapter 13. We're going to be in verse 5 uh, tonight, begin reading there. I'm going to read from verse 5 on down to part of verse 10. Genesis 13 and verse 5. And Lot also, which went with Abraham, or Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the lamb was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the men of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled, in, uh, dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Let's go to the Lord again in prayer. God, we do thank you for the evening. I pray for you to help me as we go through the study. God, direct me to everything that needs to be said. Help me speak your truth, and help us to learn more of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in the, uh, the last couple of weeks, we... Uh, for those that, that haven't been in our study before, just very quickly, we've been going over the book of Genesis, and uh, we've come quite a ways. We, we started with creation, and we worked our way down all the way uh, through the beginning of humanity, and we come down to uh, the beginning of Israel. We've been talking about Abraham, which was the father of the nation of Israel. And as we've been studying uh, the nation's uh, as man populated on the earth and, and as the nations, you know, people, people broke up into different nations anyway, uh, they began straying away from God. And so God had called out Abraham, and he was going to make a, a nation out of Abraham's family that would be a priestly nation to the world around it, meaning that it would minister uh, the word of God and minister God's ways uh, to the, the nations that were around about it. And so we've been looking at at Abram, his call, he's, uh, he, he originally was over in Ur of the Chaldees, um, and he had made his way up to Haran and uh, has, has now ventured down after God had said, you know, get up, get away from your, your country, your kindred, your family. He says, come down to the land that I will give you. And so Abram made his way down. As we looked in chapter 12, um, he made his way down to a place called Shechem and uh, spent some time there. He then ventured down to a place called Bethel, where he uh, did what? Anybody remember what he did at Bethel? He built an altar. Right, and what does Bethel mean? We talked about that last week. Okay, house of God, right. And uh, so Bethel, the house of God, there he built an altar to the Lord. And what else did he do there in Bethel? He made the altar, and, and it says he did something else. He sacrificed. There's something else uh, significant that he did. And it says, And there he called upon the name of the Lord. 
which as we said has some implications that, that has been, had been building up to that point. Now, after we have that sweet moment with Abram where he uh, builds this altar and calls upon the name of the Lord, uh, we find that uh, he kind of backslides a little bit, uh, backslides down into Egypt, and uh, there were uh, some humorous things that happened down there in Egypt, but eventually he, uh, God turned him back, and he came, it says that he went back up to Bethel, where he had been at the beginning, and he sacrificed to the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. And so uh, we see he, he returned to God, returned to God's will for him. Now, here he is in the land. He's still there camping at Bethel. Uh, evidently, it doesn't talk about him moving anywhere at this point. And uh, where we are in verse 5, uh, you know, they, they are now kind of on track with God. They're, they're staying there in the land. They're camping there at Bethel, uh, where this is, you know, I guess kind of a, uh, also a place of worship for them. And we find here in verses 5 through 9 a, a confrontation that takes place between uh, Lot's group and Abram's group. Now, Abram and Lot have been staying, as I say here, in the area of Bethel. Uh, remember that uh, they were a nomadic family, which means what? That they were a nomadic family. What does that mean? They lived in tents, and they, and they wandered around. They moved around from place to place. And so uh, there's a reason for that, too, not just because they didn't like living in one place, but... Uh, you have to remember, they had a lot of livestock and uh, sheep, goats, and cattle, and, and all those other things. And uh, as they were uh, moving around from place to place, you know, you can only, uh, animals can only graze in one place for so long before uh, they have to move on to another place. And so that was one reason why uh, a lot of the nomadic families uh, would do that. And there's still people over in the land that are, that are nomadic. Uh, I know what they're called, Bedouins the Bedouins over there, and uh, they still live in tents, just like Abraham lived in, and, you know, back in that time, and they're very interesting to watch, uh, but they are still nomadic. They have herds, and they move around from place to place, and, and, they say, and that's what they were doing. They had a large household and a huge flock that had to be fed. Now, if we'll look backwards into chapter 12, uh, we'll remember that Abram had left Haran with a large group of people and many possessions. It talks about him, you know, it says that he left, he came, he came out of his father's house, uh, but he took Lot with him, he took his wife with him, and he took all the souls that he had gotten in Haran. And, uh, and so I don't know if that's just servants or if it's uh, maybe some uh, proselytes or, or things like that are following him down, but nevertheless, it looks like he has a large group that actually leads with him and many possessions that uh, he had in his, in his uh, family as well. Now, in Egypt there in chapter 12, when he went down to Egypt, he was blessed greatly by Pharaoh and given even more servants, sheep, oxen, donkeys, and camels. You actually see that over in chapter 12. Now, if we look forward into chapter 14, uh, which we'll be talking about next week, we'll find that Abram himself in chapter 14 had enough men to send 318 trained warriors from his own household into battle. Uh, that's over in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 14, if you just want to flip there and, and look at it. And uh, there was a, kind of a scrimmage that took place, and uh, he sent out 318 trained warriors. Well, where did he get all those? Well, they were living in, you know, with him. They were moving around from place to place with him. And, uh, and so this wasn't a small family that was moving around or a small group of people. So when we say that Abram and Lot camped 
somewhere, if they were camping there at Bethel, it was probably not a couple of tents and a few sheep in the yard. It was more like a small village moving around from place to place. And it was a, it was a large group of people and a lot of livestock that was uh, surrounding the area as well. If you look uh, at what it says about Abram in chapter 13 and verse 2, notice it says, Abram was very rich in cattle, which I don't know if that just necessarily means cows, but, uh, but livestock. He was very rich in cattle, herds, and silver and in gold. And so he, he was very wealthy in those things. It says about Lot, over in, uh, in verse 5, it says, Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. So he didn't just have one tent. I mean, there was, there was a gr- big group of people that were moving around together. So when we put that into perspective, that we're, we're more looking at, you know, not a couple of tents that would fit in this area, but more like a camp, you know, where, where people are, are camping around and everything, uh, it, makes, uh, it makes sense as why there would be a, uh, a problem between them. Finding enough water and vegetation to sustain both of them would have been stressful for such a large group of people. And so what we find in verse 6 is that the land just wasn't big enough for the two of them. In verse 6 it says, And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. Now notice, notice that the land wasn't able to bear them. What does that mean? Right, they, they eventually just ran out of it. And so you've got to imagine, you know, after a while, if they're all still in one area, they're having to go further and further and further out with their flocks uh, to get them grass and food and things like that. And so eventually they're going to start fighting over grass. You know, the herdsmen are going to be out there and they're going to say, no, we were here first. You know, find your own grass. And, uh, and, and so they, they start having a struggle between them. It says uh, that a great strife or a quarrel arose between the herdsmen in verse 7. It says, And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. So, you know, when we put all that into perspective, as I said before, a confrontation between Abram and Lot was inevitable. It, it was just going to happen. Now, what we find in this, evidently this strife, this quarrel between the herdsmen had escalated to the point that it seems that Abram began to, uh, to fear for his and Lot's relationship. Uh, that this, you know, it had really just kind of uh, infected the entire camp. And so what we find is that Abram's relationship with Lot uh, was more valuable to him than this power struggle that they were going through. And if you look at verse 8, it says, And Abram said to Lot, he said, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and let my herdmen and thy herdmen, uh, hold on a second, I pray between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Now Abram and Lot uh, were uncle and nephew, but I want you to notice that Abram calls him a brother. Amen. He says, you know, we're, we're brothers. We're family. And that's kind of what I got out of this. If I put it in my own words, and you have it there on paper, but it's kind of like Abram said, he said, I beg you, don't let there be a strife between us because we're family. You know, we're supposed to stick together. So I don't want this to be something that comes between us. I thought it was very interesting as I was uh, looking at this uh, that the word strife there, when he says, do not let strife come between us, um, it is the same word 
in, in Exodus when the people had gone out and they were complaining against the Lord and they were quarreling about the water and, uh, and you know, all the things that were going on there. And God called the place Meribah because they were quarreling. And uh, this word strife is the same, it comes from the same Hebrew word as that Meribah did, which means to quarrel. And so you got to imagine, I mean, we always have to keep in perspective that even though this is Genesis and we're talking about Abraham's family, who's reading this, you know, or, or who this was written to, the Jewish people, and they've got to look back and, and think about, uh, you know, all, the, you know, all the, the impact of what Abram said there. Let, don't let there be a strife. Don't let there be a quarrel between us. We're family. And, uh, and I think it would have had a great meaning to the nation of Israel as well. So the best way that we find here to maintain the relationship and sustain the flocks was them to separate and, and go their own ways. In verse 9, he says, uh, he says to Lot, It's not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, I will go to the right. If thou depart to the right hand, I will go to the left. Now there's something interesting that Abram does here. And uh, you know, I was thinking about this. This really shows the character uh, that God saw in Abram, uh, you know, the, the, the tenderheartedness, um, compassion that he saw in Abram, that, you know, something he wanted to use from him. And Abram definitely had his downfalls, but I want you to look at this. Abram was the one who was the recipient of God's promise. God didn't say, Lot, you come down. He, he said, Abram, you come down to this land. I will give this land to you to your descendants, to your seed, not to Lot. I'll give it to you and your family, your descendants, as an inheritance forever. And, uh, and so Abram was the one who had received God's promise. He was the patriarch of the family, and he reserved the right of first choice. But we find that he offered it to Lot. He says, he says the whole land not before you. He says, so, so you, you decide where you're going to go. If you go this way, you know, I'll give you first choice. If you go that way, I'll, I'll go the other way. But, but Lot, you know, let's, let's just get this taken care of between us. As I was reading through uh, this, this conflict that was going on or this confrontation between Abram and Lot, um, it just made me think about the fact that conflicts are going to appear in any relationship that you have. Uh, if it's marriage, there's going to be conflicts. Brothers and sisters, there's going to be conflicts. In your family, there's going to be conflicts. In church, there's going to be conflicts. Uh, between brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, just personally, there's going to be conflicts. Those, those things are going to happen. We, we can't get around that because people are confrontational and people are going to talk. You know, they're, they're, there's going to be quarrels at time uh, between a couple people. Now, here's the thing. Those conflicts are going to happen. Can't get around it. But how those conflicts are dealt with will determine the future of that relationship. And so when I do marriage counseling, by the way, uh, you know, one of the things we, we always talk about in marriage counseling is conflict resolution. And uh, you know, that's, that's so important because uh, you know, there's going to be conflict in marriage. And, and one thing I tell them is you're not going to get around that. You can be as nice as you want and as loving and, and all that stuff as you want, but there's going to be a conflict uh, eventually. And uh, you, as a matter of fact, you keep bottling it up and don't don't get it out every once in a while, and it's just going to, you know, one day. And, and so those conflicts are going to come. But how you handle that conflict, 
uh, how you choose how you choose to fight or or to go through that conflict together is going to determine uh, you know the outcome. And that's the same with with anybody, even between two brothers in Christ. We're going to have conflicts. You know, there's going to be things that come up from time to time. But how we deal with that is uh, is really going to be the issue. So we have to have tact uh, in how we deal with each other in, in all things. Now Abram could have rightfully could have taken a pompous attitude and informed Lot that the land was promised to him and that he could kindly go find somewhere else to stay. Could he not? He had every right to do that. But we find that Abram humbled himself and honored his brother. And he said, you, you go find a place. And when you find a place, then I'll go. And I'll, I'll select a place as well. But he did not want this to come between them. Now the next thing that we find here uh, in verses 10 through 13 is the choice that was made. Uh, we'll read through these verses as we go down. Now Lot did not show Abram the same consideration. Uh, Lot said, Abram says, all right, Lot, you get first pick, you choose whatever you want. Lot says, okay. <laughs> and so he does, he, he chooses. And so if you look in, uh, in verses 10 and 11, it says, And Lot lifted up his eyes, and he beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Now as a herdsman, what was going through his mind when he saw it was well watered? Grass, water. Right, I've got everything I need right there for my flocks. Now, Abram, I don't know where you're going, but I like this land. This is this is where I want to go, and so uh, that's what we find here. Um, he looked around. He saw the lush Jordan Valley, uh, which, by the way, is fed by the Jordan River, and he said, I, "I think I'll take this spot right here." Now it says it was well watered everywhere in verse ten, uh, and it was well watered. Notice this little. Uh, what am I trying to say? Parenthetical phrase here. It says, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So it was well watered and beautiful before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like in the land of Egypt, as thou cometh unto Zoar. And so before Sodom and Gomorrah happened, this was evidently just a very, very lush, green, beautiful, beautiful place uh, for any herdsman to dwell says, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves from one another. Now, I'm sure that Lot really thought that maybe he had the upper hand on Abram there uh, and this choice that he made. But I do want to point out that this was quite possibly the worst decision that Lot ever made. What he felt would increase his success would ultimately lead to his ruin and uh, we'll, we'll find that as time goes on as we uh, continue our study um, one thing I do want to make note of in verse 11 there's this one little statement that's made there and that's another one of those little statements that if we don't, if we don't stop and just think about and try to catch it that we'll miss it uh, but it says in verse 11 if you read on down it says Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan here's that little phrase I want to bring out it says and Lot journeyed East. And Lot journeyed east. This small statement has some very large implications uh, throughout the book of Genesis. You think about this when Adam and Eve sinned, they moved east from the garden. When Cain rebelled, 
he moved towards the east. When the rebellious offspring of Noah, uh, after they came off the ark and, and people began to populate again and uh, you know, all the people uh, you know, were, were still together, it says over there in chapter, uh, what was that, chapter 11 of the book of Genesis, it says that they moved east and built the, tow- the Tower of Babel and the city of Babel. And so this, this has a very uh, interesting implication. It says that, that he journeyed east, and that's what we find here. Lot chose his destination, and he went to the east. He journeyed east. Now, what did Lot find when he went towards the east? Well, let's look at verses 12 and 13. It says, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Verse 13, But, that big word there, the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Great, there was great wickedness and great sin in the land of Sodom. We have to be cautious of green grass. And I actually once preached a sermon from these verses called The Danger of Green Grass. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we uh, will look around and we're looking for those greener pastures and, uh, you know, we're, we're wanting something that's going to add to us, to make us more prosperous or... If we can just get this or just have this, then we're going to be happy, then we'll be satisfied in our life. And usually what we do is, is once we get that, once we get in those greener pastures, there's always greener pastures on the other side of that. And so we're always wanting more, and we always got to have better, and, and things like that. And, and so uh, what seems appealing to us uh, about the pastures on the other side are often more trouble than they're worth. And I think that's so important for us to understand because you know I find myself uh, doing that a lot uh, as well if getting your fields of green I, I just thought I'd throw this out there if getting your fields of green requires you to change your morals to compromise your faith or to outright disobey God then your greener pastures are a scam and Satan will always dangle that out before you he'll always show you that grass on the other side Man, if I could just get to that, but it's full of poison and it's full of destruction. And uh, there's a deadly cliff on the other side that we don't see. And uh, we get out in the middle of it and we, we're carefree and finally we stumble and we fall and, and we've made our bed. And, uh, and so I, I just want you to think about that. You know, most of the time when, when those things are presented to us, uh, you know, usually we're also going to be presented with a choice. Uh, if I'm going to have this, then I'm going to have to loosen my morals as a person. Then don't do it. If I'm going to have this, then I, I might have to compromise my faith. I might have to give up something in my faith or, or even change something that I believe in order to do that. Don't go there. Be happy with what you have. Or if it's going to cause you to disobey God, then don't do it. It's not worth it. But we're faced with decisions like that every day. And Satan's a great salesman, isn't he? And he could, he could tell you about the green stuff, the good stuff, but he fails to mention the, the deadly stuff that, that happens when we make those choices. The good thing about God's Word is, is that it, it educates us on those, and uh, it shows us how to beware, and it tells us to follow God, even if the pastures don't always seem green. 
that we just follow him and he'll take care of us. Now the last thing that we find here, this may be the shortest lesson we've ever had in Genesis so far. The last thing we find here is the covenant in verses 14 through 17. Really what we have here is, is, uh, is a reissuing of the covenant. God's already made the covenant with Abraham and he's going to add some more to it as, we, as time goes on a little bit. Uh, but he's going to renew that covenant with Abram here. Uh, now, as, as we read through, we find, first of all, that Lot's inheritance came from greed, but Abraham's or Abram's inheritance came from the Lord. And I want you to notice the wording there. It says, And the Lord said unto Abram, verse 14, And the Lord said unto After Lot was separated from him, he says this, he says, Lift up your eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Now, I want you to notice what, what God says here. He says, For all the land that you see, to you I will give it. This is from me. This is not you looking around and saying, you know what, I like all this, I think I'll have it. This is God saying, I am giving it to you. And when God gives us something, it's always going to be good for us, right? He says, I'm giving it to you and to your seed forever. And what a great promise this was to Abram. We find really in these verses that God had renewed his covenant with him. Uh, first of all, we see that he promised him land. Now, when we think back to the original covenant that God had made, God, God told Abram you know, to get, get away from his family, his kindred, all that. He says, come down, and he says, I, I will give you a land, I will make your name great, and I will multiply your seed. I'll, I will give you offspring. And, uh, and so really what he, what he promised him was family blessings and land. And, and really that's what we see him reestablishing here uh, first of all, we see that he promised him land, uh, as we read in verses 14 and 15. He says, uh, all the land that you see, he says, look north, north, south, look north, south, east, west, everything that you see, this is the land that I'm going to give to you and to your uh, seed or to your offspring. Look down at verse 17. He says, arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it. Uh, go go uh, long ways, go side, you know, walk all over the land and look at it all. For I will give it unto thee. So he promised him the land, and he promised him offspring in verses 15 and 16 as well. Uh, notice that, again, that mention of his seed, and uh, in both of those verses, in verses 15 and 16, uh, in 16 he says, And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. There's a lot of dust on the earth, isn't there? And so uh, Abram was going to have a lot of children now again, why was this such a? Why would this have been such a magnificent, uh, magnificent, excuse me, promise to Abram at this time? That his seed would be as the dust of the ground. Right, and he didn't have any children. Right, and so you know this was going to be a problem for them. They they wanted to believe God, I believe. But we're even going to find where Abram's going to say, he's going to begin looking around. I mean, he's getting older, he's getting older, he still didn't have any kids. And he's going to say, God, well, what about my servant? 
you know, how about we just raise up a, uh, you know, one of his children, and he can be my seed. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to give you one. A little, little bit later, Sarai's like, well, we still haven't had a baby. Here, take Hagar, and we'll have a baby with her. Wow. Aren't we glad that happened? And then, uh, and then you know, of course, finally God uh, blesses and, and gives Isaac. But, you know, they, that was hard for them to believe, too, as old as they were in age and, and things like that. And so it, it would have taken a lot of faith for him to believe that God was going to keep this. And, and when he heard God say, I'm going to make your seed as the dust of the earth, and I'm sure he's looking around, all right, well, we better get started, you know. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm sure it would have been uh, kind of a troubling thought to him. He says in verse 16, he says that his seed would be so broad that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. And if we think about all the, the, the Hebrew people that have lived from Abram's little small clan that he finally began, was able to begin from them all the way through the ages down to now and what will be afterwards. God made a great nation, big nation, out of Abram. So we find that after all this, Abram continued in verse 18. It says, Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelled in the land of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. And that's where we'll stop tonight. Are there any comments or questions that you have? Anything at all? You know, maybe there's something you want to pitch in there as well. Anybody? Oh yeah. Do you remember what it was they found? Huh. Just something that maybe helped them understand what life was like back then or whatever. Well, yeah. Yes, ma'am? Okay. God and the God of Abraham same God we serve today and he hasn't he hasn't lost any of his power or any of his glory he's he's magnificent it's good to see y'all tonight I hope you did get something from the lesson this evening and uh, Genesis is just so rich we, we've just had some great stuff uh, in our study so far I'm looking forward to next week as well we'll kind of get some action next week and uh, we'll see what those 318 servants were able to do